they pretty much gave us what we wanted to hear, what we've been waiting on for so long. They've given us our MacBooks that we've been waiting on. But before I get to that, let's do the unimportant stuff that (laughs) Apple announced. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. And thank you for coming back to the Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs, where we talk all things Apple and then some. Like I said, this is episode 146, and we want to definitely thank you for coming back to our show. We want to thank all of our supporters, whether you are following us on social media watching us on YouTube. Hopefully you are liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get more viewership over there because we know how people like video. And we definitely want to not forget our diehards who listen to us every week on the podcast. So definitely want to say thank you to everybody for your continued support. Uh, We're going to move right into the show where we talk uh, the lowdown for this first segment where we talk all things Apple and I want to get into it because we got a lot to talk about because this week uh, Apple finally did their October event. It was the Unleashed uh, event and they pretty much gave us what we wanted to hear, what we've been waiting on for so long. They've given us our MacBooks that we've been waiting on. But before I get that, uh, get to that. Let's do the unimportant stuff that yeah. <laughs> Apple announced Badly. at the Unleashed event. <laughs> First <laughs> and foremost, uh, Apple announced a new subscription service for Apple Music. It's only $5 a month, but the catch is it is only accessible via Siri. So you have to invoke Siri to access any of Apple's music library. No uh, opening up an app. No going to a website. It's all via Siri's voice. But again, it is a less expensive entry level version to the traditional $9.99 for Apple Music. And I think they did this because they want to beef up the adoption of the HomePods. Uh, Again, like you, if you don't already know, the HomePod and the HomePod Mini, which the HomePod Mini is actually their device because they pretty much discontinued the first generation of the HomePod, but that has no interface. It's all done via Siri as well. But what I think they're trying to do with this new voice subscription is to, uh, like I mentioned, get more adoption to the HomePod so you don't have to connect your iPhone to your HomePod Mini in order to utilize Apple Music. And the reason why I say that is because there have been some issues, especially if you have multiple people in the house, you know, I'll let, you know, uh, Nika give us her um, use case and her, you know, day in the life using her HomePod minis. But like, for instance, in my case, um, I have myself, I have my wife and I have two kids who use Apple devices. So it could get a little tricky when you're trying to, or who's the voice or who's music library, who's, you know, whose profile are, are you getting when you're coming in the house trying to use Siri on a HomePod? So I think what they're trying to do is they're giving you this uh, $5 uh, subscription to where you just use Siri and she's smart enough now to kind of know who's talking and can kind of curate or provide a music um, experience based on your voice. So I just wanted to get your take on uh, this new subscription service. And do you think it's going to take off? Um, I think it makes sense, um, especially with the way the HomePod minis work. Um, I think we talked about them when they first came out. I was super excited about them um, because I don't have like Alexa or anything like that. So I have three HomePod minis. I have one on each floor of my house. Um, And the way that it works it's really tricky. Sometimes it works seamlessly and sometimes it does not. Like the HomePod in my office, it's hit or miss. Um, And you have to, so say if I'm listening to a podcast in the podcast app, 
and I'm listening to it on my phone and I want to transfer it to my HomePod mini. Typically, you should just be able to tap it. Or if I put my phone close to my uh, HomePod mini that I have downstairs, mm -hmm. it'll kind of say, do you want to connect? If you click connect, sometimes it connects, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I just give up altogether and say, you know what? I'll just listen through the speaker on my phone because I don't have time to kind of feel fool with that. So it makes sense from that aspect that they have a separate um, subscription service where you can just use Siri. And that makes it, I'm assuming, a more seamless process. But that is all predicated on the fact that they sell the HomePod minis. If they don't really sell them, if people aren't buying into them, then this subscription service, service really doesn't do you any good. So you right. need to kind of have the two together in order for it to work. And you have to kind of be like a person who maybe already has them and sees the different types of issues that go with, you know, using the HomePod mini and your phone. And, you know, we talk about the ecosystem in Apple and how things kind of all work together really well. I have to say the HomePod minis, they don't work as well as I okay. would expect them to. And at one point I was thinking about returning them because okay. it was just not, it just wasn't. It just wasn't worth. It just gotcha. wasn't well, working. So, well, hopefully, um, with these new this new subscription, uh, maybe they'll get some more adopters of the HomePod yeah. Mini, and maybe that will encourage them to step up their uh, seamless experience when it comes to them. So, speaking of trying to get more people to adopt the HomePod Mini, uh, another um, a way to try to get people to uh, buy them is they've added more colors to the uh, HomePod Mini. Uh, the color yellow the color orange and they have a navy blue uh, was announced at Apple's event this week that uh, goes with the already the white one that they already had and the space gray one. It's so they've gray. got a total of five colors for you to pick from uh, still same price. Uh, but again, if you add that with the subscription service on its own without an iPhone, without an iPad, you pretty much have a whole home audio system mm -hmm. if you just bought the home pods and the five dollar subscription service so mm -hmm. maybe that be a way for people to get into the apple ecosystem maybe you know they they do a smart they started a smart home with the home pod minis because the sound of these things are really great when they play they they have a really okay. they emit the sound so the actual usage of them is is good it's just you know getting it going is, right is right. the one that's the kind of you know, ticky. And gotcha. I don't particularly care about the colors. Maybe people do. I all have, I have all white because it just kind of sits in the background and kind of merges in. It's not anything like ostentatious, but maybe some people want that. So maybe they're kind of catering to both sides. If you want some color, some razzle dazzle, or if you want to keep it muted just for it to kind of blend in, then you can do that as well. All right. All right. So uh, speaking of music, uh, they launched their third generation AirPods. Uh, they look similar to the AirPods Pro that's been out for about a year or so now. They've added MagSafe wireless charging. So if you have a MagSafe charger, you can actually use that new case. Um, they add spatial audio, something that's found on the AirPods Pro, and they add a lower, uh, uh, a, a better driver for low end music Think bass. You know, if you, if that's what you like to listen to, uh, they're uh, available for $179. And again, like it's like the HomePod Mini, they're available for pre-order now. The difference between the AirPods Generation 3 and the AirPods Pro is the AirPods 3 do not have active noise cancellation. So think of your uh, current AirPods that just have the regular, um, the regular shape uh, for the ear uh, versus the AirPods Pro that have that silicon tip that really kind of uh, fits Steals more snug it. in your mm -hmm. ear. That gives you that um, that better sound for the uh, active noise cancellation. The AirPods Three do not have that, but like I said, they have the spatial audio. They have the better sound, the adaptive adaptive EQ on the AirPods Three without the price. So the difference between AirPods Three is they are one seventy nine. The AirPods Pro are two forty nine. So if price is an issue and you really could care less, less about the active noise cancellation, you might want to jump on these. Uh, my question to you is, uh, will you get rid of your AirPods Pro and just stick with the regular AirPods or 
will you stick with what you've got, even though the AirPods 3 have the MagSafe charger? I like the noise canceling. I like to All be right. able to go outside and, right. you know, I can tune the world out from the grocery store or doing whatever to kind of just insulate myself. So I'm good with what I have. So All right. no All update right. for me. Yeah, but but for some of those people looking to uh, get into the AirPods RAM, which they're doing pretty good, uh, you might want to take a look at these, or you can get the Generation 2 AirPods for $129. So you definitely have now, you have multiple choices at multiple prices. Kind of like a low, mid, and a high range. Right, and then then stupid high with the AirPods Max. (laughs) Do you even use those anymore? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, Not, not... Not frequently, um, but every once in a while when I don't want to disturb the family, like when I'm watching a movie because I'm the only one that can stay up at night, <laughs> I'll put those in. And uh, and also, I could go downstairs in the living room and watch TV without mm-hmm. the AirPods while everybody's upstairs asleep. But <laughs> I don't want to then at two or three in the morning have to schlep myself upstairs. <laughs> so I'll use my AirPods Max upstairs and upstairs bedroom. Uh, so while my wife is asleep, I can listen to music. And then when I'm done, I can just take them off and just roll over and, and, go, roll to over and go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's that's when I use them. Again, COVID kind of messed all the stuff up where I go outside. So mm-hmm. uh, once everything kind of not gets back to normal, once we kind of normalize COVID, then I'll probably mm-hmm. venture out more. I'll probably carry them with me. All right. So moving up right along, we're getting a little bit closer to the meat and potatoes. Uh, the um, new silicon chips for the upcoming MacBook Pros have been announced. Uh, we thought we were going to get just one M1X or M2 chip, but actually what Apple did is they broke it up into two M1 chips. You have the M1 Pro and now you have the M1 Max to go alongside the previous generation M1, which they're still selling those. Those are still available. So now you have three new generation chips, the M1, M1 Pro, the M1 Max. So let me real quick do some specs for the M1 Pro. It has an eight core CPU with six performance cores and two efficiency cores. It has a 14 core graphics processing unit, has a 16 core neural engine, and it has 200 gigabits per second of memory bandwidth. The M1 Max has a 10-core CPU with eight performance cores and two efficiency cores versus the M1 Pro that just has eight. It has a 32-core GPU versus the M1 Pro just has a 14-core. It has a 16-core newer engine, and it has 400 gigabits per second memory bandwidth as opposed to 200 with the M1 Pro. So I'll let you kind of jump in and talk about how impressed you were with the core stuff because chips are not my not my lane. All I know is uh, these sound pretty good. Uh, they're what I'm looking for as opposed to what I have now. Uh, so I'm definitely picking the pro, but I'll let you kind of give your um, impressions of what Apple announced as far as these new chips. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that we got two chips instead of the one. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of, of a surprise, a welcome one. Um, and honestly, um, I would have, if they just came out with the bigger screen with the M1 that's on the 13 inch, I still would have bought it mm-hmm. because based on the videos and the benchmarking um, that I saw from those, people were super impressed and they were okay. like, this is lightning flat fast. So if you just do like a basic comparison of, you know, the M1 that we got, you know, was it last year? In a last year and a half, maybe two years ago. Yeah. And the M1 Pro and even up to the M1 Max, I'm even more, you know, excited about what this performance is going to look like. They put up some, you know, graphics to kind of show what the Intel processor will do, what the the previous M1 will do and what the new M1 Pro and the M1 Max will do. And you can kind of see the levels, I mean, at a very high level, just to kind of give you a spatial view of of what, you know, the processes will do. So um, needless to say, I'm super excited about it. You can get all the specs with all the different cores and, you know, the GPUs and all the neural engines, that kind of stuff. Just a bunch of words to say that these things are lightning fast. It doesn't require a lot of extra effort from the machine itself. 
to either cool down the machine or to handle any of the processing, it doesn't need some of the extra effort that your traditional Intel chip, you know, machines, whether PC or Mac would need. This thing is like your, your silent killer. It can, you know, really, you know, have some high performance computing on it um, while not exerting a lot of effort. So, um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that in action. So, all right. All right. So you mentioned uh, if you would, if they would have just came out with an M1 processor, the M1 regular Mm -hmm. and gave you a larger screen in a 14 and 16 inch, you would have purchased that one, but you're pleasantly Mm -hmm. surprised that they have an M1 pro and an M1 max and even luckier for you, you don't have to make that choice because they have announced two new larger screen MacBook Pros, either of which the 14 inch or the 16 inch will give you the choice to have the M1 Pro or the M1 Max. So uh, let me go some of these specs for the 14 and the 16 inch. Everybody liked the fact that they brought all of the quote unquote pro ports back. So in addition to three USB-C or Thunderbolt 4, I think is the Apple version, uh, you get an HDMI port. So now you can plug, um, you know, 4K, 8K monitors, uh, one, two, maybe even three to this HDMI port. You also get an SD card slot. I think it's the XSDX. Uh, I guess it's, that's the, the pro SD card for your photographers, for your videographers. And the reason why this is beneficial because they don't have to worry about fumbling around carrying extra cables to plug their uh, camera into their Mac. They can just pop the SD card out like they can do on all the other PCs and do the same thing with the uh, MacBook Pro. Uh, it also has MagSafe. They brought back the MagSafe charging port. So like the current Macs that we have, you have to use a USB-C, uh, USB-C slot to actually power the Mac in addition to data and addition to uh, connectivity. So now you have a separate uh, port for just power, or if you want to, you can use your USB-C ports to transfer power, but they've all separated, split everything out. Before you had to use USB-C for everything. Now you have dedicated power, you have dedicated, dedicated connectivity, and you have dedicated ports for SD and HDMI. Uh, in addition to that, like I mentioned on the larger screens, you get 120 hertz liquid retina XDR ProRes display. Again, that was just a lot of words for you get high resolution, uh, 120 hertz uh, screen refresh rate. So your screen is going to be a lot smoother, a lot faster. What most people do as pros, I keep using the air quote pros because that's what these are for, but what most people do is they'll buy all of these high-end displays because the display on the laptop really doesn't do what they need it to do. So they'll get all these expensive displays. Well, this display in the 14-inch and the 16-inch will handle all of your high-end graphics without having to use an external display. So the 14-inch, it uh, has a 324 by 1964 native resolution at 254 pixels per square inch. Uh, same thing with the 16 inch. It has a 3456 by 2234 native resolution at 254 pixels per square inch. Uh, both of these Macs have a 1080p front facing, call it the FaceTime camera, but it has the notch that if you're familiar with the iPhones, the iPhone and iPhone 10 and up, they all have the notch at the top that houses the sensors for face ID. It also houses the camera for uh, the front facing cameras. A lot of people had some issues with the notch. They were willing to accept the notch if it had the face ID, but it just has the FaceTime camera. So people are saying, well, if it doesn't have the FaceTime, the face ID, uh, then why even use the notch? Uh, a lot of people were upset about that. I don't think them saying people are not going to buy it. They just right. want something to complain about, but they're still going to go ahead and buy it. Me personally, I think Apple did it on purpose to add or continue the aesthetic yeah. from the iPhones to the Mac. I won't be surprised if they add the notch 
to future iPad Pros, but that's a conversation for later. But you heard it here first. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue that notch look on the iPads as well, because it looks like to me that is the aesthetic that Apple is pushing towards all of their devices. So, um, and who knows? And honestly, who knows? Who who knows? The the technology may be in this camera to for Face ID to work. They could push the code for Face ID to work down the line. Right. You have to make judgment calls when you're delivering software, and you have to say, "Do I want to push this back so I can put this feature in, or do I want to do it in a later release?" So it could very well still be coming. So people just need to chill out <laughs> and wait. You might be getting it sooner than later, or it could be coming down the line. You may not get it initially, so just kind of chill for a second. You might get right, it. Right, right. And the notch, what it does is it gives you around the notch. It gives you more screen real estate. So actually the screen can get a little bit closer to the edge without doing that pinhole thing that you see mm. on the Samsung devices and the Google Pixels to where you just got that little hole in the mm-hmm. middle of your screen. Um, this gives you a little bit more screen real estate. And like you said, the sensors may already be there. Apple just hasn't turned them on yet. So right. we'll see. But even if they even if they ever do, if they don't, it, who, I mean, who cares? Most of the um, apps, most of the services will take advantage or uh, account for the notch. And you may never even see it, especially like if you use dark mode, uh, mm-hmm. it'll completely get rid of that notch. So you won't even see it. So but I digress. Um, yeah. The other thing that I personally was upset about is the fact that my coveted touch bar is gone. They have replaced it with traditional function keys, volume keys, and they, you know, continued with the uh, touch ID sensor at the top. So I was pretty bummed about that, but I was in the minority. So I'm okay with it, I guess. I'll figure out another way to do my volume and my scrubbing and all the different cool things that I used to do with the touch bar. But I guess Majority rules. A lot of people complained about it for years and years and years and years. Instead of learning how to adapt and use something new, people just complained and Apple was like, all right, fine, we'll take it away. So much to my discontent. Chagrin. Yeah, chagrin. There is no touch bar. But again, that may be a win for most of y'all. So I'll just keep it moving. Uh, (laughs) Finally, the 14 inch uh, with the basic run of the mill, not run of the mill, let me not say that. With the baseline features will run you $19.99. The 16-inch will run you $2,500. And they are available for pre-order now. Uh, you may not get a ship date next for next week or anytime soon. But don't let that stop you from trying to order one. Because, you know, again, you know, with the shipping shortages, the, the supply chain issues and the chip shortages, you know, who knows? So if you're interested, they may have in a limited supply. So you, or you might be able, right. Or you might be able to uh, walk in a store and scoop one up starting next week. So if you're interested in getting one, definitely do that. Um, I probably already know the answer, but uh, did you uh, pick one and which one did you pick? So I got the 16 inch m1 pro okay um so i have a ship date of the 26th so i will be incessantly stalking the apple store app to track it once it finally gets on its way all right all right so what um what um storage did you get uh the one terabyte okay all right so yeah we pretty much got the same one Cause like I said, uh, it's comparable to the one I have now. Uh, like I said, my 2016 is a 15 inch with a terabyte hard drive. Uh, and, but it has a quad core i7. Again, I've been complaining about it forever because the fan is super duper loud. Um, but I'm hoping with this M1 Pro processor, worry about fans. I won't have to worry about the fan anymore. That would be a, a nice, a nice, you know, change. I don't know. Can you can you hear it now? Hold on. Let me see if I can put my mic up to it now. See if you can hear the. Oh yeah, I can hear it. Right, right, right. So I put my mic up to the uh, the 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 space where the sound, where the fan is, so you can hear that. You know, uh, I've been dealing with that ever since this podcast. So hopefully uh, next week I'll have everything set up to where 
um, I'll be able to actually enjoy my podcast without thinking in the back right. of my mind, can they hear that? Can they hear that? <laughs> and I just got my preparing to ship notification. So. All right. All right. We were talking about that in the pre-show. If you are not a member of our Patreons, you definitely want to get on that so you can mm-hmm. get our little inside stories as to our uh, purchasing nightmares or potential mm-hmm nightmares you may right. want to listen to uh or subscribe to our patreon so you can get those inside stories yep. so uh it sounds like we both are looking forward to some new products come next week uh hopefully well not hopefully um we have a 100 percent chance that those new macs will ship with mac os monterey uh, we just got word that mac os monterey will be available on monday the 25th so if you do have a current Mac and you're not buying a newer MacBook, you still will get some of the cool features of Mac OS Monterey when it ships on the 25th. Uh, real quick, um, I didn't look it up immediately, but some of the features that should be coming with Mac OS Monterey real quick, um, you'll be doing, you'll get uh, FaceTime, of course. Uh, you'll get the focus um, with, you know, with iOS 15, it gave us the ability to adjust our do not disturb. They changed that to focus and they give you more customizations to where you can customize how you want to be notified or what notifications or what sounds you can customize all that in focus. That's coming to Mac OS Monterey. Uh, shortcuts is coming to Mac OS Monterey as well. Um, I l- use shortcuts a little bit. I have a couple of automations running. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what I can dig in once I get shortcuts on the, um, in Mac OS Monterey. So that's just a few of the things coming with Mac OS Monterey in addition to a couple other things. So, um, like I mentioned, when we get our new Macs next week, they should have Mac OS Monterey, uh, installed on them. So definitely look forward to that. And I guess this answers my question. I think I said last week we talked about uh, uh, Monterey being on its 10th beta. And my concern was, is this thing going to be ready in time for what we were expecting at that point, the new MacBook Pros? And it looks like um, my question is answered. It will well, be it, it, will, it will be ready <laughs> Will it work. <laughs> That's another thing. Right. Or will, or, will, or can we expect as soon as we power these machines on, much like your toothbrush, as we talked about in the pre-show, become a Patreon, you can hear that conversation. Will we have to do an immediate upgrade as soon as we get it or a couple of days after? Will we be seeing uh, a, a 0.1 release? Yeah, hopefully they don't uh, push out any a bunch of Mac OS Monterey updates like they've been doing with iOS 15. 15. Um, before I move on, uh, word on the street is iOS 15.1 will be announced next week as well. So mm. uh, <laughs> there'll be another uh, <laughs> iOS update come next week. So just get ready for that. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving on to second string where we talk all things tech. Uh, really didn't have any sort of basic, you know, comments plus or minus about this one, but it looks like Palm, you know, if you remember the Palm Pilots, Palm Pilot. uh, they 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 had a run, had a nice they run. Did. Blackberry I had a Palm Pain. Pilot. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, everybody who's anybody had a Palm Pilot. Then Blackberry came and kind of took their shine. And then as soon as iPhone and Android got into the mix, that killed all Palm's little Bye shine. Bye-bye Blackberry. Yep. They, yeah, they, they tried to move into um, WebOS, which mm-hmm. they wanted to use that as a platform for smart TVs. I think that's kind of working, but I haven't heard anything about it. So for the most part, after the Android and the iPhone takeover, Palm kind of disappeared. But it looks like they are coming back. Uh, they did some uh, Twitter tweet uh, teasers. Uh, foreshadowing a new gadget. Um, they've got a screen. If you, you know, if you're, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes, but if you go to the link, they've got a, a, a image that says we've been busy and they've got a date of October 26, which will be next week around the same time we get our new Mac. So hopefully we'll be paying attention. <laughs> they're and, going to, unfortunately, and, they're going to be drowned out. Right, right, right. But it looks like from the image, 
it looks like it has the silhouette of a pair of earbuds. They right. look kind of like pros. You call it AirPod Pros. Yeah. <laughs> Air, AirPalm Pros. <laughs> Is that what they're called? I don't know. I just made that oh, up. Okay. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's what they kind of look like based on this little shaded outline they have. Right, right, right. So we'll see um, if if they were going to try to do anything, this might be a good move because earbuds are are popular you know, from the, you know, everybody has a pair of AirPods. Google has some. Beats has AirPods, you know, all Bose of the high-end. Right, that's what yeah. I was just going to say. Bose and Sony, you know, all these other high-end brands have their own special um, earbuds. So it looks like Palm is trying to see what everybody's doing and see if they can make their return. See if they can return. make a little money from it. <laughs> yeah, make a little money, make their return back into the personal electronics realm with a pair of earbuds, which makes sense if the price is right and they are compatible, you know, with iPhones and Androids. And not, of course they're compatible because if yeah. it's Bluetooth, it's compatible. I'm talking about yeah. like really like, you know, seamless, mm -hmm. you know, with in some of the, you know, functionality, you know, that iPhones and Androids offer if, if, Big if, if these Palm earbuds can, you know, uh, really, really integrate into your, into those ecosystems seamlessly. I don't know. They may have some, or I, t I could just be talking because they, this is their last, <laughs> this is their death row. Their last hurrah. Yeah, yeah, their last hurrah. But we'll see if they're like a hundred bucks and they sound super good, you know, they'll get I'm some money. Bite. Yeah. Right. But is that going to be enough to have them get back into the game? But time will tell. <laughs> they got a hard road to hoe, as they say, to come right. back with something. So, <laughs> uh, their right, roadmap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, moving right along, Instagram uh, will finally let users post from their computer versus always either using a third party service or posting directly from your phone. Um, it won't. They won't launch a desktop app but it'll be posting from the browser. So you'll be able to post images, post videos. Um, I'm not sure if you'll, if they'll do the whole kit and caboodle, like maybe you won't be able to do reels. You may not be able to do stories. Um, just do a straight the, feed. Yeah, at the, very, at the very least, you'll be able to post uh, to your feed until, you know, they do maybe decide to launch a desktop app. So uh, of course we, as a brand uh, post to uh, Instagram, we do it through a third-party service, Hootsuite. So we'll definitely be checking this out to see if this is something that'll be advantageous to us. I'm thinking it will simply because- Especially the with issues. the scheduling thing that we talked about before last right, week. Right. We talked about the scheduling. And in addition to that, um, the different formats, the different uh, image sizes- um, videos, you know, being, being able to post, well, the ability to post video to Instagram from a third party service where you can post in the browser is a little tough because, mm -hmm. you know, depending on the time length of the video, it may go to the regular feed versus IGTV, you know, and if it goes to IGTV, you get some extra fields like the title, description, mm -hmm. You know, you can uh, locate, you can put it via location, you can tag people. You can't really do that when you're posting a video, a long form video from a third party site. So uh, Instagram, you know, launching this feature may give a people a reason to stay in the app a little bit longer, which, you know, yeah. again, go ahead. And I was going to say, I think it's probably a lot, it's going to be a lot easier too for large brands. They can do this on a... Uh, a machine now, a laptop or, you know, a desktop, whatever the case may be, rather than having to do it on the phone, they could probably have a bit more big of a canvas to, to do their, you know, the, the branding folks to get their, you know, images and stuff out. So, right. Right. So, yeah. So be on the lookout for that. I think it's coming out this week. So uh, keep doing, hitting that refresh in your browser. So you can see if you can post to Instagram from your computer. Uh, so last thing I want to talk about in second string was, Google, among uh, other things, like I said, we talk about drowning out uh, the half of the <laughs> most of the world was focused in on the uh, MacBook event that was this week. But Google also announced their Google Pixel 6 
and Google Pixel 6 Pro. Uh, they've got some new colors. Um, they use a dope Google Assistant. Uh, they got some real translate features to where, you know, I was watching. I didn't watch this live. I watched a uh, follow up or a recap via YouTube. Um, the cool things that I saw that I wanted to talk about was the uh, Google Assistant voice with the real translate features. Reason why I thought this was dope was because uh, in their demo, they brought on Marie Kondo. Uh, that's the um, the, uh, the organizing lady. Yeah. 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 If it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it, lady. Right. Mm -hmm. But she is not uh, English native speaking. You know, she she can probably understand it a little bit. She may be able to speak one or two words, but she's Japanese. I think Japanese. Yes. I think so. She's Asian. Um, But what they did was they brought her in and they had her sit across from a lady. I'm assuming she was a Google uh, person. And the lady spoke into her Google Pixel in English. And without doing anything, pressing any buttons, switching anything, the Google Voice translated her uh, conversation so Marie Kondo could understand it. And not only that, when it was Marie Kondo's uh, um, time to speak, she spoke in her normal voice. She didn't go slow. She mm -hmm. used her dialect. She used her, you know, her vernacular to actually speak into the phone and it translated back into English. And I mean, the lady was flabbergasted. She was beside herself in amazement at how well this was able to translate her voice to English and vice versa. Again, without any fumbling around, without mm -hmm. clicking any buttons, without clicking a mic, they just had a normal conversation. The lady in English said something. She waited a second, translated it to English. Uh, Marie Kondo heard it. She spoke, took a second, it translated to English and the lady could understand it. So I thought that was dope. That And that I think that's Go gonna, you know, help with some of a lot of the language barriers that people right. have. Especially, I mean, it could happen in any instance. You know, we talk about COVID, medical stuff, legal stuff. I mean, this could pretty much be a game changer. Right. And uh, other people do it. You know, Apple has translations. You can mm -hmm. do Google Translate via the web, or you can download Google Translate's app, but it didn't do it as seamless as this. Mm -hmm. You know, you still got to click buttons and, you know, you right. got to in, in, in the middle of the conversation, which, you know, if you're trying to talk to somebody from a different language, you know, um, not necessarily stage fright, but you get nervous, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, time consuming, trying to mess around with those buttons. But if you can do it naturally, I thought mm -hmm. that was pretty dope. The second cool. thing, yeah, the second thing that was specific to us that I thought was mm -hmm. cool is Google really uh, put some effort into this new feature called real tone. And basically the camera is tuned specifically to work well with darker skin tones. And they didn't just, didn't just say darker skin tones. They said African-Americans and they, nice. this whole, in this video, they did this interview where they kind of took some pictures from older or previous generation devices and <laughs> They had uh, black folks, you know, uh, uh, look at the actual videos and they like did their feedback. And I thought it was so funny because some of the people, it's like, you know, the pictures is all drowned out. It's all dry. Make people mm. look ashy. And I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> because that's what we say. It does make people look ashy. It doesn't right. show our melanin flourishing. Right. And I thought that was cool because, you know, um, you know, in, in this age where, Companies are are trying to pander, cater to, you know, minority voices. I didn't get the impression that Google was trying to do that because, again, with the ashy comment, they let them talk in their normal voice and their normal language to where, you know, maybe the person on the camera or the person they were talking to didn't understand ashy. But you and I got exactly what they and meant what that by meant. that. And you we're know, the target audience. So black exactly. people understand. Yeah. Right. So this real tone feature I thought was cool is because, you know, uh, Google went through this presentation and they talked about all the ways that they make sure people of different hues, specifically darker skin tones. This camera does better than any other camera on the market to make sure what I'm looking at when I look at a picture of my wife, of my kids, of my family, of my friends. It looks like them, not a washed down Version vanilla 
right picture of them. It's what I see when I look at them. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I definitely wanted to shout them out for taking that extra step versus just saying, like I said, darker skin tones. And then you kind of take that as it is. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. specifically, this is for African-Americans. This is even for Dominicans. This is for Jamaicans, West Indians, you know, Native Americans. It's for black people worldwide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just want to do a shout out for that. If you're interested in the Pixel 6, they, it starts at $600 for the 6, and the 6 Pro starts at $900, and they are pre-order now and shipping next week. Cool. All right, so that's it for uh, Second String. We're going to move right into uh, For the Culture, and this is actually a couple of stories that I kind of weave together into a specific topic that I wanted to get your opinion on. So okay. uh, the first um topic that I saw or subject I saw was Instagram is removing link stickers, but only for certain users, it seems like. Uh, there are some users that are starting on October 25th. They're getting a message that says you will no longer have access to the link sticker because you have shared content that violates our community guidelines. So those stickers, uh, to give you the quick breakdown, is if you're doing an IG story and you want to send somebody to an external link, you can add a sticker in your story that gives the user or the person watching your story the ability to click that sticker and it takes them to a link that you use. Uh, in this particular uh, case, um, it looks like they this sticker is unfairly punishing sex workers, erotic artists, and queer creators in an attempt to push them off its platform because mm-hmm. that me- message that I read earlier, you'll no longer have access to the sticker because it violates community guidelines. Uh, the users have no way to appeal this decision. They can only say, okay, they can't send an email and say, hey, um, yeah. right, this, 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 um, this is going to an external site that doesn't have any sort of issues. You know, it's going to a totally separate site. You know, it's not anything specific to Instagram, but they can't really fight that. And um, it's forcing IG users to go to different sites to monetize. So that was just one story that I saw that it seems like Instagram is discriminating specifically against a certain type of user on their platform. The second story that I saw was uh, TikTok users are actually deciding to leave TikTok because they're seeing a significant drop in viewership and lower engagement when speaking out on topics like Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ uh, topics or influencers. So they're seeing their engagement go down and that actually has a title called shadow banning. They're not banning them directly, but what they're doing is they are lowering their engagement by filtering, automatically filtering out people who would see their uh, um, um, content if it mentions some of these subjects like Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ community, uh, some of these non-Black influencers, in addition to that, feel like non-Black users are getting more visit- visibility and revenue for the same content, right? Mm-hmm. This goes right into that TikTok strike where, you know, a lot of bl- uh, TikTok influencers decided they were not going to do- With the dancing a, and stuff. Right. They're not going to yeah. do a dance to this new uh, Megan Thee Stallion song was because previously before that, you know, some of the non-Black users were getting flew out to uh, award shows and comedy shows, right, and talk shows, getting crazy amounts of money and visibility for content that they did not create. Create. So so a lot of these um, TikTok users are deciding to leave TikTok and go to other platforms. Similar to the users who are being targeted by Instagram, they are deciding to leave these platforms because these influencers, you know, the, the, the drop in engagement is affecting their bottom line because mm-hmm. they're using their influence to generate revenue. And if they mm-hmm. don't get the, in, the, the viewership, they can't get the revenue. So all that to say, um, in these two specific um, instances, these users are deciding to leave the platform. The question I have for you is, is that going to spark a great social media migration more importantly, are enough users disenfranchised, um, unfairly treated, whatever the case may be, 
Will enough of them be able to leave these platforms for equity and inclusion and actually get similar, if not the same type of engagement, same type of revenue than these large platforms? I guess that's my question. Will they be able to successfully do it if the viewership isn't there? How do we get the viewership there? You know, if they're actually using this, you know, to actually, you know, like say, get more revenue and greater equity. I think it could be, um, I think it could work. Um, the thing is, you know, time is uh, a, a great equalizer, as they say, if they're willing to put the time in for this, because if you have your initial kind of drop off, you know, people's like, yeah, and then they make some little change, but are they going to, you know, take it back to, you know, old school, like the Montgomery, um, Boys, the Alabama uh, uh, bus boycotts. People did that. I don't think people realize how long those folks boycotted. Right. Uh, they they boycotted it for a while. So this is in the cold. This is in the hot. This is in the rain. They were not, you know, taking these buses. They had to walk to work. So you had to walk to your job, which was likely on the other side of town because segregation, black people on one side, white people on the other side, then you had to go and do this extensive labor of work. So if they were willing to do that for that amount of time to see some significant change, then that's what they did. So the question is, will this new wave of, of black and brown people, queer people, sex workers, are they going to really put in the concerted time and effort it's going to take for significant change to happen? That's one. Two, mm -hmm. I think we saw with the whole TikTokers when they went on the strike with the dance, we saw the immediate impact of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw other people trying, non, you know, black folks trying to do dances off things. And we saw how it did not work. It got clowned um, mm -hmm. on, so on pretty much Twitter, um, which is a platform that I don't think is necessarily in kind of this uh space with what's going on with Instagram and TikTok. But, you know, I think, you know, we've said it before, Black people drive the culture, queer people drive the culture. Mm -hmm. And if they are willing to stick with this for a significant amount of time so that businesses and these companies, these tech companies start to see their bottom line is really decreasing because the people who drive the culture are like, I'm out. Then I think we'll start to see some real change. But the question is going to be, are they willing to stick it out for the long haul? Right, right. Actually, not a different opinion, but a different way to look at it. Are the people, are the users going to follow a lot of these users who are these influencers that are deciding to leave these platforms? Because with Facebook, who owns Instagram, and with TikTok, they don't have any content. Mm -hmm. It's the users who generate the content and the users who are watching the viewers who are, are watching this content from the creators. They are the data that these companies, these in, these platforms are collecting. So I guess my question would be, sure, these in, these influencers can leave these popular. Populated platforms. Um, but who are they going, who, who, who are they going to be doing this content for on some of these platforms if the users aren't there because the users are the product? So right. I guess my question that I don't know the answer to is which comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Do the users leave these platforms in order to give the influencers the audience that they need? in order to create the revenue, in order to get the equity, in order to get the diversity, in order to get the inclusion, or do the influencers leave and it becomes dry <laughs> enough on these popular platforms that the content viewers say, you know what, we're gonna try something new and then mm -hmm. go over to these platforms and then, oh, find all their favorite influencers. You mm -hmm. know, who, who goes first? Do the users yeah. leave the platforms? Or I mean, not to use the content do the, creators. Do, yeah, do the creators leave the platform first, or do the uh, content consumers 
leave the platform first. Yeah. And can yeah. it even be done? Are these are these companies too big to fail? TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? I don't I don't think they're too big to fail, but um I don't think they will. I think they may see like a significant decrease in engagement, mm-hmm. but what the creators have to do is they just can't, you know, just haphazardly leave these platforms without an exit plan. They have to right. make sure they have an exit strategy. And even if they leave their, you know, profiles up, you know, have a picture with their website or, or something where right. people will know to go and find them right. on on the platform. So it's I think it's not going to be easy on either side of it. You just have to be smart and be diligent in and what you plan on doing. So I right. think that's uh, speaking pretty of which, much the... Yeah, speaking of which, I mean, this serves as a good lesson for any creator, any influencer, anybody to you who is looking to use social media as a way to create a career, create a life for themselves. You cannot solely depend on one platform or just two platforms you have to figure out how you can get directly in front of your viewers, your your um, your customer without these platforms. So I would like to see in, in, in the meantime, in between time, before we all decide what we're going to do, are we going to continue to give Facebook our data? You know, we've Facebook's having a lot of issues as it relates to their data. Instagram. So much so they're talking about rebranding. Did you see so that? much they're talking about changing their name? You know, we'll get into that. Probably get into that next week. You yeah. know, um, at Instagram, who's owned by Facebook, you know, they are having a issue as it relates to uh, the safety of our not safety, the well being of our daughters, because a lot of these stories about you know these girls having a lot of body and self esteem issues as it relates to what they see on Instagram. You know, uh, in the meantime, in between time, you know, um, I would behoove any influencer to to really figure out how you can reach your customers directly, whether that be through things like Patreon. I know that's another platform, you know, but at the same time, um, the algorithms, the the way SEO, yeah, right, the way that some of these popular platforms keep you into their ecosystem is because they they don't give you what it's just a flat out feed. It's like they know what you're looking for and they only give you certain amounts based on your habits, based on what you like, based on what you comment, which is not a true form. You know, right. um, Patreon, for example, I don't think it has that same sort of uh, algorithm. It's just the people, the customers, the people that want to support you. Those are the people that support you and you give them content based on their support. Unlike Instagram, Facebook, you may only reach a third of your viewers versus like a a Patreon. You get the people who support you is you you can reach out directly, whether it be email, whether it be SMS, text messaging, any influencer. Mailing list, website, go buy that. Just a a flat out website, you know. And then you use the website to point people to your YouTube, your Instagram and your Twitter and your whatever the case may be. You know, um, a lot of users, you know, whether it be Twitch, all these platforms, Mm -hmm. there are people who are making a killing on this one platform. And if something were to happen, it's like, what do you do? You know, so I behoove any. You've lost all of your your content, all of your viewers. You have no way to. You haven't banked their emails or anything. Right, right. Pretty much are just out. Right. So you know, imagine I can I can't imagine, but I'll try to do it anyway. (laughs) Imagine (laughs) you being an influencer heavy on Instagram or Facebook, and then two weeks ago when they were disappeared for like most of the day. You know, imagine if that was a week. Imagine if that was a week and a half, you know, of course, Facebook will figure out something, but you waiting on Facebook to, right. you know, to, to, to reach to your, control your destiny. Yeah. Right. Right. Because you don't have emails because you don't have phone numbers because you don't have a website or you don't have a Patreon, you know, to where you can say, okay, here's what's going on until they get this fixed. Find me here. Right. You know, right. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of influencers don't have that. You know, you think yeah. a lot of these gamers, only use Twitch. 
They don't yeah. use anything else. So if Twitch gets hacked, which it did, you know, a week and a half mm-hmm. ago and steals your information and there's no way for you to recoup your account, what are you going to do? Well, All yeah, the people is. that are on Twitch, they're on Twitch. Now they're on Twitch to follow you, but they go to Twitch to find you. Mm-hmm. They don't go to you to say, hey, okay, he's on Twitch. Let me go there. Right. You know, you got to figure out how to put yourself as the, the gateway to mm-hmm. where they can find your content. That makes it a whole lot yeah. easier if people decide to leave, right? Right. All right. Sorry. So that's it for um, for the culture. We're going to move into the hookup, um, an oldie but goodie uh, topic that I found that actually I forget to use. So I thought I would show people how to do it is to how to quickly enter your email address using iOS text replacement. So I'm actually going to for my listeners, you're going to have to listen to my voice and walk it through. But for my viewers, I'm actually going to, I got a nice little screen that I want to walk people through. So I've actually put my phone on the screen. So I'm going to walk users through how to set up a text replacement to quickly enter your email address. And basically the way you do it is you open up settings on your phone. You go down to general. Then you go over to keyboard and at the very top, you'll see a place that says text replacement. If you tap that, uh, it will give you a place to where you can actually add a shortcut. So if you tap the uh, plus symbol in the upper right hand corner, it'll give you a phrase. What you want to use for your phrase is your email address. So, for instance, I'll put uh, the SnobOS email address. So we are contact at snoboscast.com, for example, right? So that's the phrase. The shortcut I want to put is I want to put two at symbols in this case. So now what will happen is anywhere I use two at symbols, it'll automatically populate with the email password. So I'll do that one more time. So if I'm in a text field, like for instance, if I'm signing up for a new service or a new platform, the first thing all these websites want is your email address. So I get tired of doing contact at Snobboyscast all the time. But now that I've entered this shortcut, I can just put two at symbols and then in the text uh, autocomplete field at the bottom, it automatically put in contact at snoboscast.com. So that's my little tip for this week. If you want to find a quick way to put in an email address, and you can do it multiple ways. Like I've got four or five email addresses. I can use two at symbols. I can use two pound symbols, something you normally don't use in a text conversation. You can use that as a shortcut and you can auto fill like a email address. So that is my tip for the week. Um, other than that if you don't have anything else I think we are done for this week so definitely we want to thank you for your support to continue to support us one way you can do it is to download rate and review our podcast we're on Apple Podcasts we're on Google Podcasts and we're on Spotify another way you you can engage with us on social media we're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Cast. you can watch us on YouTube we're at Cast on YouTube. Of course, if you watch a video, please like, subscribe, and get notified when we drop new videos. We're starting to do something a little bit different, and we're uh, putting shorter uh, clips on YouTube, more digestible. So if you do watch them, maybe three, five, seven minutes long, uh, give us a like, drop us a comment, let us know. Uh, another way you can reach out is to leave a comment on our website. You can go to snoboscast.com. So we're trying to be Unlike some of these other uh, influencers, (laughs) you can go to our website and get all of our information if you go to Mm -hmm. uh, 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 snobboyscast.com or you can send us an email, go to snobboyscast at gmail.com. If you go to our website, you can click on a link to join our community on Discord. Um, You can support our uh, show directly with with a, a dollar. Uh, support. You can go to patreon.com forward slash snoboscast. We have a couple of tiers. $3 a month will give you the access to our live show. 
It'll give you access to exclusive content. Uh, if you step that up a little bit, give us a $5 a month donation. You get access to the live show. You get access to exclusive content and you get access to our special snobbist community inside of discord. Uh, we definitely want to thank our new uh, Patreons. Uh, we want to thank Kenny Samuel and Edge James. We definitely want to thank you for your support. I particularly like Edge James' name, even though it's not mm-hmm. the same person. Uh, that mm-hmm. is the same name as a popular Indianapolis Colts running back from back in the day. So definitely want to say thank you to the Edge <laughs> for your support. Uh, if you don't want to commit to a monthly um, uh, amount, you can give us a love offering via, via PayPal, one dollar, two dollars. You can give us thousand dollars. Yeah, thousand dollars. Take it all. <laughs> <Some> Bitcoin. <laughs> you can do all that. You can uh, give us a love offering at PayPal if you go to PayPal.me forward slash snob os. So again, that will do it. Until next week, we are out. Peace. Bye, everybody.